Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode number 24 for Monday, June the 20th, 2016. Hey guys, and thanks for joining me for this episode of the John Campia Podcast. Also joining me this week is Wendy Lee, of course, from Collider. We're going to talk about the really sad passing of Anton Yelchin. Warcraft dropping over 70%. What the hell was going on with that Game of Thrones episode yesterday? And a whole bunch more. So sit back, relax. The John Campia Podcast starts right now. Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to the new installment of the John Campia Podcast. Uh, coming here on Monday, what is it, June the... Tw- is it really the 20th? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. First day of summer. I feel like it just became June. <laughs> Comic- we are we are literally leaving for Comic-Con in less than a month. Like about a month? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of nuts. Uh, I, I am joined this uh, episode, like I was last episode, actually, with uh, Wendy Lee. Wendy, thank you for being here again. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. Um, and we got some stuff to talk about. Listen, we're, we're going to talk about, I'm going to mention, look, for you sports heads, we're going to talk just, just a little bit about the NBA Finals just for a minute. Probably mention the Brock Lesnar thing as well. We're going to talk about the box office. Uh, and, if you, and we're going to get to your Twitter questions. Obviously, I put out a tweet asking you guys to send questions, and in, like, in two minutes you sent out a ton. So we're going to get to some of those as well. But, I mean, the first thing, obviously, we, we should probably talk about is yesterday, the weirdest Oddest. I mean, it's one of those things where at first I thought it was fake pieces of news. Comes across saying, um, probably best known for Star Trek uh, actor Anton Yelchin died yesterday in like a freak accident involving like his car that apparently he had in neutral. And I, I'm not going to pretend to know all the details. I don't need to know all the details. But from my understanding was like he put his. He thought he parked, parked his car, was actually mm-hmm. neutral. He went to behind his car, then his car rolled backwards and, and crushed him, I believe, against some kind of wall. Ugh. Totally a freak accident. Um, so sad. How did you find out about it? Well, I was actually up at Lake Arrowhead with my family for Father's Day, and in the, that morning of, I just got a bunch of notifications on my phone from work. And, and I saw the news, and I was like, how horrible. He was only 27, and you know what? He yeah. was actually here at the Collider Studios for yeah. uh, the green room. He was talking with Perry. It's just so sad. So my condolences and prayers to his friends and family. I mean, it's it's so awful. We were looking on IMDb earlier, and he's got like five or six movies still to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he was about to have Star Trek come out, which was going to be huge, and then a number of other films and projects uh, coming out. I... We'll always remember Anton. The first I've met him several times, and I got to get together with him for a few times for a number of projects he was doing. But the very first time I met him was at Comic Con a number of years ago, and he was there promoting um, Fright Night, mm-hmm. the remake to Fright Night. And that same year, I had uh, uh, Christopher Mintz Platts, uh, better known to most people as McLovin. Uh, <laughs> he was. Um, we were honoring Christopher Mintz Platts with, uh, with an annual award we used to give out to, at this party at Comic-Con as an up-and-coming star. And so I first met and, – and Christopher was in Fright Night with Anton. And I got to meet up with them pre-party and then do these interviews with Anton later. And, you know, every once in a while you will remember people – we interview a lot of people in the business that we are in, obviously. But there are certain people that you remember who stand out to you as being really genuine and very nice and very open and very – Honest and Anton was incredibly honest mm-hmm. about 
himself and and what he perceived as what he's good at and what he perceived he's not good at and it's just it was one of those really really refreshing guys and then sometimes you meet somebody like that and you think maybe well maybe they're putting on an act and next time I'll tell but in the four or five times that I got together with him after that over the 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 following years he always came across the same way yes so nice and sweet and gentle and never ever one of these guys I've, I've met some new stars and he was relatively new star at the time who don't and to be fair, they don't know how to handle the success yet, and they can come across as I'm king shit. Like <laughs> I'm going to rule the world now, mm-hmm. and he was just so not that. He was so the opposite of that. And you're right; he was only 27 years old, and you had this feeling like with these six films coming up, and you just had this feeling he was just going to get bigger. Yeah, and it, it was just adds to this. Inc- incredibly sad tragedy like what were some of your thoughts when you heard about all this i just couldn't believe it and like you said you know um a lot of people knew him from fright night and what's that other movie he did besides charlie, star trek charlie bartlett a lot of people charlie remember. bartlett um but i obviously remember him from uh, star trek and i yep. loved him in it so then when i have yet to see the green room but um you know i i that's that's the plan to see it but i just think his his career was just getting better and better and he was making himself into this you know, uh, very well-known actor, easy to work with. Everybody who's worked with him liked him. When he was here, he was very nice, very humble and genuine yeah. person. So I, it's such a shame. Did you see the note J.J. Abrams put out yesterday? No. Yeah, J.J. did – because obviously J.J. worked with Anton a lot on Star Trek. And J.J., um, which he has done in the past, he took one of his personal pieces of stationery and mm-hmm. just and hand-wrote a note um, just – Speaking directly to Anton, saying you're you're one of the funniest guys oh. on set I've ever been with. You're going to be terribly missed, and he put that on an Instagram That's as sweet. well, which I thought was really sweet. But you know, a, a lot of people first came to recognize Anton from Alpha Dog, and then a lot of people liked him in Charlie Bartlett, of course, and then he had a role in um, Terminator um, Salvation. Yeah, well, yes, in Terminator Salvation, <laughs> which he was great in, and. Um, I got a real kick out of him. He was the voice of Clumsy Smurf in the Smurf movies. Oh, yes. He was the voice of Clumsy Smurf in the Smurf movies. Um, And just, you know, such a a sad thing. And, you know, we've lost a lot of... Very talented people. You know, it's been a very odd year, 2016. We've lost a lot of legends. Yes. And we're losing, like, up-and-comers. And anyway, yeah, the Anton Yelchin passes away yesterday, an incredibly sad time. Um, anyway, with that all uh, being said, let's move on to this thing. This was a shocker of a weekend at the box office mm-hmm. on a couple of levels. Let's talk about the good shocker stuff first. Okay. Um, our good friend Scott Mance made a prediction about how much he thought Finding Dory was going to make and what was his prediction. He said over 134 on his Twitter. Over 134, which some people rolled their eyes at. Makes... Just a hair over 136. Beats Shrek. Shrek 2? Is that really? Is that I what it did? I think for that's like what opening, Scott was saying. Opening weekend yeah. animated box office. Uh, crushing number. Devastating number. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure it's helping that, I mean, the last time I checked, which granted was maybe a day or two ago, but it was holding... Shrek the third, beating Shrek the third. For the biggest opening ever? Yeah. $134 million for an animated film. I'll be honest with you, I didn't think... I thought maybe it would hit 100. Yeah. Because it's been so long since the first door. What is it, 12 like, years? I thought it was six. Maybe you're right. I think it's 12. 
I gotta look that up. Uh, so, let but me you see. know, I'll have to say, when I first heard about Finding Dory, I thought, "Are you kidding me? Why do we need a sequel to Finding Finding Nemo?" Finding Nemo, right? No, two thousand three, thirteen years ago. Oh my god, thirteen years ago. I feel old. I just I had zero expectations going into this this film, almost to the point. Not that I didn't want to see it, but I was thinking, "Where is Incredibles two? And we're getting yes. Finding and Finding Dory. So I kind of sat in this theater with my husband. And the film started, and I just find myself completely falling in love with it, and completely just diving head in, excuse the pun, into this movie, and just kind of letting the real world go. And I totally, totally bought into this movie. Yeah, I had. Okay, first of all, for box office, I had lower. Exp- I mean, I still thought it would get close to 100, but I didn't think it would crack 100 because 13 years since the original, mm-hmm. um, and it is a sequel. It, and I'll be honest with you, the trailers did nothing for me. I mean, it looks fine. Yeah. It's a fine-looking movie. It's Pixar, so you have certain levels of expectations. But I remember me and Christian Harloff were talking about afterwards. It's like, you know, both of us had these doubts that you could make a movie. Dory was a nice side character in mm-hmm. Finding Nemo, a very, very nice side character. Could you build a movie around Dory? And I kind of thought probably not. So it'll be a passable film, a little bit higher than average because it's Pixar. Mm-hmm. I so enjoyed it. Yeah. It was so nice and so clever. And yes, you can build a movie around that character. Who knew, right? Because I remember uh, for Despicable Me, and then they came out with Despicable Me 2, and then they decided they're going to do the Minions movie. And I thought, personally, I've got a close connection with the Minions. Uh, yeah, yeah, your background. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought, oh, the Minions, it's going to be such a, such a funny movie, and they couldn't carry that movie. Right. So I thought the same thing for Dory. That's so not the case, and I'm so glad. Because yeah, I really loved it. Because you raise a great point. Like with Minions and other – like sometimes we have these characters or even performers who are side characters. And they're great side mm-hmm. characters. Or there are certain actors out there who are amazing at being the second or third guy. Like they're either as the comic relief or as the, in the supporting role. And they're amazing at it but don't necessarily have the ability to carry a film on their own. And just like you, I thought Dory – was going to be one of those kind of characters. Like the short-term memory shtick. Mm-hmm. Like, can you focus on a character and have that shtick come up again? But, oh, my God, they did it. It was real. I didn't like it as much as the first Finding right. Nemo. But it was charming. And how about that opening short film? You're talking about Piper? Yeah, the Sand oh, Piper. it's so cute. I didn't see any. What was it? Was it just Piper or was it? I, did they show a title? It's just, like in the very beginning, I think, it said Piper. Right. Well, with the waves coming up. Right, so I don't want to give anything away, but the opening animation of uh, the short film that they put in front of Finding Nemo, which is, revolves around these birds called sandpipers, so adorable, <laughs> so cute. And I'll tell you what, I went to go see um, an advanced screening the other day of uh, Secret Life of Pets, mm-hmm. which I'm not allowed to say anything. I'm seeing that tonight. Are you seeing that tonight? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit okay. about it later. Um, but they have an opening short film as well. Oh, okay. It's an opening Minions short film. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I can tell you this. I didn't like it nearly as much as I like the, the Piper okay. opening film, but it has a couple of very, very good moments, right. this uh, Minion thing. So I just put that out there. But so um, amazing result for finding Dory. Central Intelligence did well. It mm-hmm. came in like some people thought maybe 25 million, made 34. Actually, it came close to 35 million. I enjoyed Central Intelligence. Yes. It's only rocking. It's it's totally split the critics. It's about 50-50 okay. on the critics. So last check, time I checked, it had a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Is it a good movie? 
No. <laughs> but we judge comedies on a slightly different scale. Because mm-hmm. we, as human beings, we tend to judge comedies by did it make me laugh. Made me laugh. I actually, I laughed a lot. Yeah. I was either smiling or giggling pretty much through the entire movie with five or six good, solid belly laughs. Oh, good. With some wonderful cameos, like three big, solid cameos in this. So so it does well with 35 million. Conjuring 2, holding tight for a little $40 million film. It, It made another $15 million. It's up to over 70 and worldwide, it's even more than that. So here's the bad one. <laughs> and oh my god is bad. Uh-huh. Uh and this is a movie I like. Very lowly rated by the critics. Um and honestly the fans have not responded to it as much as I thought they would either. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason I enjoyed didn't flat out love, but I enjoyed Warcraft. Yes. Warcraft on its second weekend, generally speaking, you would love to see less than a 50% drop from week 1 to week 2. And this is the second week that it's been out. This is its second weekend. 50% is average. Mm-hmm. 50, 55%, that's fine. If you get a 60% drop, you're a little bit worried. Unless your first weekend made you like $150 million. Uh, because then you expect a higher percentage drop off because so many people already saw it first weekend. Mm-hmm. I've only heard of a couple of films ever to have a 70% drop off. <laughs> Warcraft had a... 73% drop. Only made 6.5 million dollars in its op- in its second weekend. Oh my gosh. Which is just devastating. Like because when it made like 24, 25 million opening weekend, mm-hmm. I thought that's that's low. That's really low, but at least the second weekend will yeah. probably only be about a 30% drop. <sighs> 72, 73% drop. Now, it's made domestically. I lot. It's only made thirty-seven point oh, seven million no. domestically. But we know it's doing well in China. But not just China. Oh, I mean, because this made like a hundred million in China. This movie is is creeping up on four hundred million worldwide. Oh my god! It's World of Warcraft, or I keep calling it World of Warcraft. <laughs> Warcraft is sitting at three hundred north of three hundred seventy-seven million dollars worldwide. Even though only 37... Like, let's, look, I'm not going to pull punches. I like this movie. Mm-hmm. I love Duncan Jones. Mm-hmm. We had Duncan Jones in here. Uh, I, I came out of that movie wanting to see another one, but let's call spade a spade. Right. As far as North America goes, this movie is an unmitigated bomb. Yes. <laughs> $37 million North America with a $160 million uh, budget. Oof. Huge bomb in North America. But the international markets are carrying. This movie is going to cross four hundred million. Guess what? This movie is going to be profitable. Yeah. This movie, which has just absolutely tanked here in North America, mm-hmm. is actually going to make Universal Studios money. It's going to make them a profit, and I'm personally very glad about that because I'm one of the few people who like them film, and I'm now crossing my fingers that having made money. Just for the sake of the international lines, maybe they'll make a second one. Maybe they will. This may warrant them to make a sequel. And, you know, maybe they can... I don't want to say learn from their mistakes, but... um, You can say that. A lot of people didn't like this film. It's fair to say that. I have just very, very little nitpicks about this movie. But, you know, uh, take take what they learned from this one. Right. Make, make the second one better. Because they did leave room for expansion. Huge. 
lots of rooms for expansion. And and the film ends with a total open door. Actually, the way this film begins, and minor, minor spoiler, this is the opening scene of the movie. It doesn't really mean anything. The opening scene begins with like this desolate wasteland with with some bodies mm-hmm. uh, strewn all over the place. A bunch of orc bodies, a bunch of human bodies. And one human soldier pounding his shield and one big orc warrior and they're getting ready to fight. Yeah. And then you hear narration. It wasn't always like this. Mm-hmm. What? Wait a minute. Where are you going? This is the movie we, yeah, well, a lot yeah, of people say. We want to see right in the middle of the war. And instead, they made – they kind of made a prequel. Even though this yeah. was the first movie, they kind of made a prequel mm-hmm. to the story that most people wanted. Most people wanted them to pick it right up in the middle. And then the way this movie ends opens the door to move into yeah. that battle era. But the question is, was it the wrong move? Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to open the movie showing you there's a big old, bigger world. Then they end the movie saying, and now we're getting into the bigger world, the bigger battle between orcs and humans, hoping that the gamble would be this would make drop more people in. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you, did the gamble fail? Did they, instead of intriguing audiences for the next movie, did they turn, do you think they turned off audiences for the next? I know for me, I'm turned on for the next movie. But right. did they turn off most of the audience for another movie? What do you think? I just felt, yeah, I really do feel that they, they turned off some of the audiences for, right. a, for a second film. I feel like they they opened it strong, and then they, just like you said, they inserted that line. You're like, wait, 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 where's the war? There's this epic war that's about to happen. This man's bashing his shield, and you got the orc with this, like, war hammer coming at yeah. you. And then you, and then, so you're starting this movie on, like, you're just jumping off the cliff. You're like, yes, this is going to be the best action <laughs> movie, you know, video game movie ever. And then it just brings you right back down and you're cooling off already before the movie even starts. So it, it was hard to stay invested in this movie. Mm. So what makes you want to invest again and come back? And, you know, is it going to be, you know, this weird roller coaster ride of starting up really high and then you have nothing for the whole movie and then you kind of come back up towards the end? Yeah. So uh, so we're now we're going to probably have to wait until the dust settles. Warcraft will probably be in theaters another three weeks and then fall out of theaters oh. pretty quickly. But it'll, I do believe now it's going to cross that 400 million mark or at least get very, very, very close to that 400 million, which yeah. again makes it a profitable film. We'll have to see where they go. All right. Now, before we get to your Twitter questions, and I ask you guys to send me a bunch of questions on Twitter, just going to talk for five minutes here. Give me five minutes <laughs> to talk sports, guys. That's all you. <laughs> um, and maybe even less. Just got to mention the NBA Finals last night. Um, game seven. The two greatest words in sports, Game 7. It's it's the greatest word in sports. And LeBron James and the Cle- Cleveland Cavaliers did what has never been done in history before. Down three games to one in the NBA Finals, and they came back to win the series. It has never happened in the history of the NBA Finals. And keep this in mind, too. The Golden State Warriors had not lost three games in a row since 2013. They only lost two games in a row twice this year. That includes the playoffs. And so, and they were the massive favorites. They just set the record. The all-time greatest regular season team was 73 wins. No team in history ever got 73 wins in the regular season. And this was the team that the Cleveland Cavaliers had to now win three games in a row against if they were going to win the title. They did it. LeBron James, they were facing three elimination games. And what does he do? He gets 41 points one game, 41 points the next game, and gets a triple-double the next game. I am sorry 
to all you Kobe dick riders. But Kobe ain't nothing compared to LeBron James. Is As a pure offensive machine, would I give – does Kobe compete with LeBron? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% he does. But for the first time in the NBA history, a player, one player, was number one in points and assists and rebounds and steals and blocks. There was not a facet of the game that LeBron James was not the best player in. He was the best defensive player. He stole the most. He had the most rebounds. He was the best playmaker with the most assists. He was the best offensive machine with the most points. You name it, he did it. He's the best. You show me one game. Forget an entire series. You show me one game where Kobe Bryant led the game between both teams in points, assists, rebounds, blocks, and steals. Never. Oops, Oops, I dropped my water bottle. I'm getting so animated. I dropped my water bottle. It's <laughs> never happened. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not sitting here to bash on Kobe. Kobe is greatness. He absolutely is. But we are witnessing right now a player that we have not seen the likes of since Michael Jordan. LeBron James is the best player we've seen since Michael Jordan. And I know there are a lot of guys who've grown up watching Kobe and they have a real strong attachment to Kobe. That's fine. That's cool. Sorry, the numbers are the numbers. The numbers are simply the numbers. LeBron James beats them in just about everything. And it was just, it's unbelievable to watch. You know, and I thought the Warriors are going to win. I picked the Warriors to win in five, and then it went past five games, and then I picked the Warriors to win last night by 12 plus points, and that LeBron James should get the MVP anyway. But they pulled it out. Unbelievable. Uh, I know you were glued to your TV last oh, night yeah. watching. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was glued to GOT. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Oh, yeah. Oh, how? Yeah, we got to talk about that. Okay. Game of Thrones last night. The most satisfying episode of the season. You know what? I'm going to go one step beyond that. Okay. I'm not going to say the best because that's going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think last night's episode of Game of Thrones was my favorite episode ever. Ever. Of the whole series? Of the whole series. Wow. Because... I can see that. This episode had two incredible, quote-unquote, story conclusions. Mm-hmm. First, with um, Khaleesi. Yes. She comes back. Oh. Three... Th- this is what... It, three dragons going badass on an invading military. Dracarys. It was... Awesome. And it wasn't just the action of dragons. It was also the little quiet conversation going on on the shore mm-hmm. between uh, Tywin and or Tyrion and Tyrion and the masters and the masters there. And, you know, I was talking to somebody last night and I said, uh, Tyrion, some guys like you don't want to get them pissed off because they get angry and get them really intimidated. Tyrion, when he gets pissed off and mad, mm-hmm. he gets quiet. And he gets calm and he yeah. speaks eloquently. And he is terrifying. Yep. This little dude is terrifying. Yeah. And as he's sitting there talking to the masters, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'd be crapping my pants right now if he was talking to me like this. And then, I, I, of course, then the end like cuts both the throats yeah. and amazing wrap up. Only to then be with a footnote of that. That you've got the Ironborn, you got Reek and his sister coming in. Yes. And that conversation was amazing. I love the, the potential of two queens in the Seven Kingdoms. Yes. You know, uh, Yara, I didn't like her in the beginning and when, when I was first introduced to her. And now I just think she's this very strong character. I've always liked her. Yeah. Right from the first. I mean, remember, she was the one person to try to mount this 
unwinnable mission mm-hmm. to try to go and rescue her brother. You know, and she's been like like that. I mean, she's great, and just the way I love. I, I've really grown to appreciate. I am, I'm going to always call him Reek. Really <laughs> no more come, Theon. No more Theon. He's Reek to me. But I've really come to appreciate the character and just that, why Why don't you claim the throne? Because I'm not worthy of the throne. And I'm like, I'm starting to love this guy. The yeah. transformation. It's funny what getting your dick cut, cut, cut off <laughs> does to you. It totally transformed him. Um, and, of course, he was the big hero um, for the Stark. I mean, what he was the biggest prickle in the ass of the Starks in yeah. earlier seasons. I wanted to kill him. In the yeah. beginning. And then he's the one who saves Sansa. Yes. And, you know, and which sets up the second big conclusion. Oh, man. Which is bastard versus bastard. Wow. Unbelievable. The way they dramatically set it up. The video, the cinematography of that entire battle sequence. The camera being under the pile of bodies with yes. Jon Snow. And the way they shot everything. I mean, we all knew Littlefinger was going to show up with his army. Mm-hmm. We all knew that was happening. But... To um, like from the big battle sequence itself, the death of the giant was so yes, the last one. The the death of the young uh, Stark mm-hmm. uh, was uh, horrible and heartbreaking, and it just makes you hate Ramsay more when that. Happened. Oh, I know it absolutely does. And then a very satisfying end. Yes, for Ramsay, way more satisfying than Joffrey. Yeah, but you could hear it's kind of like Obi Wan Kenobi saying, "I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if a million voices cried out in terror." When Joffrey died, you could feel the earth shake from people cheering. <laughs> and I remember there's there's a bunch of great YouTube videos online of people watching the death of Joffrey happen yeah. and like j- yes. jumping up and down. And now you know that happened as well with Reek. Mm-hmm. But here's a question I have for you, though. Okay. I mean, obviously, you can say the big baddie right now, the big looming threat, the 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 doomsday, if you will, the dark side, mm-hmm. the um, uh, Thanos, if you will, <laughs> of this Game of Thrones world right mm-hmm. now is the Night King. Yes. Um, and he's the one who's coming. Mm-hmm. I, we get that. But from Joffrey, we had Joffrey that everybody could loathe. Yes. The whole audience, all the Orange Cross were could just hate Joffrey. Yes. Joffrey dies, and they quickly transitioned that. They gave us another person to despise and mm-hmm. loathe, even maybe even more so with Ramsay. Yeah. Now Ramsay's gone. Mm-hmm. Who's the next? Where do they go from here? Who's the next villain that they use? Because the Night King is going to be the one that everybody fears, but he's not going to be the one that everybody that, loathes. Yes. Who's that next one that can rally the audience together that they would jump up and down and cheer if this person died? Where do they go next, do you think? I mean, I can't even even see if they've been introduced yet. If if we're talking about characters that have been introduced, maybe uh, Theon and Yara's uncle, Euron. Yeah, they've set him up to already yeah. be kind of a dick. Yeah, so I mean, killed his own brother. Yeah. And he's like, let's go get my nephew and my niece. You know, he's, he's pure evil and he definitely does not want, you know, the throne to be reclaimed by its rightful owner. Right. So that could be it, but I don't feel that right now anyone that exists that we know of can surpass Ramsay. I feel like it's TBD mm, yeah. to be introduced as well. Yeah, so we got to hang out for that. Um, and, you know, here's the other interesting thing, because we're, we're heading in now to the season finale. Mm-hmm. Traditionally speaking, not every season, but traditionally, the Big Bang episode is usually the second to last episode of the season. I can't see them topping this with the no. The final episode is usually to set up what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Here's some interesting stuff. The big threat to this world, obviously, are the other walkers. Mm-hmm. So we've got, and we've got the Night King coming. So 
And yet half of this world is completely unconcerned with it right now. Like we saw Daenerys talking with the Iron Board. None of them have given a second thought to right. to uh, the Night King and his forces that are coming. We, we see all these different places of this world that haven't even mentioned it yet. Mm-hmm. Yet we know this is the big coming Armageddon. Do we start to see in this next season and maybe starting to set it up in this next episode, do we start to see at some point Jon Snow's got to meet Khaleesi, right? Like at some point yes. they've got to get together and say, well, look, finally we need she's to got band. her boats now. She's got her ships because, yep. you know, she's now joined forces with She Yara. stole the slavers' ships mm-hmm. and they've got the And she's got ships. her dragons. So it's it, we might see and them she's meet got at the, the very end. Uh, Dothraki. Yes. And she's got her Unsullied. Oh, my God. And she is becoming the badass in the land. She's got the biggest army right now. Yeah, she marches on Westeros right now. Yeah. She takes the Iron Throne. Yeah. Yep, pretty like, much. I, I, just, I just don't see how she doesn't. I think, I predict maybe at the very end, uh, maybe not so much a face-to-face, but perhaps a dragon in the shot with Jon Snow. Right. Maybe seeing them flying on the horizon, like, what is that? You know, or I, or I can't, more like I can't believe, I guess everybody knows that dragons exist, but I can't believe I'm actually seeing this. Yeah. Sort of a thing. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think they can top the, what we saw last night. It was too good. No, there, it's got to be no set way. up. The next episode yeah. has to just be set well, up. Well, they did set up, is it Sir Davos? Yeah. Um, and very oh, he's gonna kill suspiciously her. looking at her. So you already know they're going to jump right into that for the next episode. And he already didn't like her. Yes. I mean, he already didn't like her because he holds a lot of, you know, what uh, Stannis became. Right. He holds her responsible for that. Right. Same time, she brought back Jon Snow. And I, I, he was, I think he's appreciative of that. He's appreciative of that, but nothing can forgive her, you know, this girl was killed. Yeah. And you know, and I thought when they killed her, mm-hmm. I thought Davos is going to come back and he's going to turn on Stannis. Yeah. I thought this will be enough because he's terribly loyal to Stannis. Mm-hmm. But I thought this is going to be enough for him to turn on Stannis. Well, he can't. Stannis is, is dead. Right. So now who's left to be the object of her? It's going to be her. But, you know, some people were mentioning like... It raises the question, can she even be killed? Like, we don't know if she can oh, even be killed. Well, we just don't know. Um, so we're going to see some interesting things there, I think. We got some loose ends to tie up, too. We haven't seen Bran for a few episodes, Arya. Oh, yeah. So there's still another Stark. Yeah. And this is going to be a really long uh, season, uh, season finale, right? They said it was going to be an extended one. Nice. I think at some point, uh, uh, Sansa becomes now the head of the, the Star- of Winterfell mm-hmm. and the Starks. Because, once again, they don't know they have another brother out there. Yes. And I think, much like Ramsay, mm-hmm. who was Ramsay Snow. A lot of people forget, Ramsay was Ramsay Snow. Right. The head of the family can officially decree, you are now, as he did, you are Ramsay Bolton now. Right. And she has I the I think Sansa is going to... I think Jon Snow very soon is going to become Jon uh, Stark. Jon Stark. And then we're going to find out that maybe Ned Stark it's isn't actually his dad. Maybe Ned Stark's not even his dad. I think we're getting yep, into that I now. Think, so, I think we're going to... Yep. So we're going to... I think or at gonna, least a hint at it. They I think have he's going to be Daenerys' sister. Yeah. Or brother. Brother, brother. Yeah. Half brother? Half half brother, yeah. quarter brother, whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. still be so. But I think he's, they're going to give him the name Stark. Yes. I think they're going to give him the name Stark. All right. We got a few uh, Twitter questions that uh, we're going to get into here, and then we're going to wrap things up. Uh, the first one comes from Charles King uh, at DarkSilver6905. Here it's John. How did you place this weekend at the World Series of Poker? Yes, I went to Vegas this weekend. I go every week, uh, every year to play in the World Series of Poker. I entered the um, the the two p.m. deep stack on Saturday. Had one thousand five hundred players. 
and I actually uh, got knocked out in 288th. So wow. out of 1,500, I came in 288th. Very happy with it. For those of you who understand poker, here's quickly. You'll get what I what I mean by this. It was a cooler hand. I had 10-8 of hearts suited. I raised pre-flop. This other guy called. Um, fair enough. So I knew I was probably behind. I was just trying to steal the, the antes and blinds. I had 10-8. The flop comes 10-10-3. So, oh. I'm, so I'm first to act. I check being sly. The guy bets 15,000. I have about 80,000 in chips at this point, so I was just over chip average. Actually, I was well over chip. I think chip average is about 50,000 at this point. I had 80,000. He bets 50,000 because I'm thinking he's got queens, jack, something like that. He's going to think he's good. I push all in. And he instantly calls. I'm like, what? He had king 10. I had 10, 8. The board didn't pair after that. So I got knocked out. Wow. I had so many chips I got out. But anyway, I was very happy with how I finished. Thank you for asking. Um, let's see here. Uh, next question. Sorry, I didn't pick these out uh, in advance. Uh, I'm trying to find the movie questions. Um, a yep. lot of people are asking me about the NBA Finals. Um, okay. Uh, this one comes from Parker Cook who asks, How can I watch a movie more critically? Um, I find it difficult analyzing a movie like you guys. Mm. You know what? <clears throat> I honestly don't watch a movie critically. I just watch a movie and see what kind of an experience does it give me. And then I evaluate on did it – because look, I say this all the time. The, the job of a movie is to give you an emotional experience. Any emotion, fear, joy, anxiousness, um, thought um, – Per, uh, yeah, internal perspective. Well, like whatever it is, whether from documentary to animated film to comic book movie, movies are meant to give you an emotional experience or elicit an emotional response from you. Mm-hmm. The best movies are the ones that do that. Like you go and watch a movie like Schindler's List. Oh well, <laughs> you are having an emotional experience. Yes, you watch the first Avengers. You are having an emotional experience. Two radically different emotions. I personally tend to evaluate a movie then, not on technical merit, but but I'll talk about the visual effects, or I'll talk about the cinematography, I'll talk about the sound design, sure. But as a a film fan, as I walk out of film, I kind of tend to evaluate the movie on, did they succeed in eliciting that emotional response from me? Did they give me that emotional experience? And then I kind of go from there. I don't go in thinking critically. It's just that, you know, if there are things that didn't work for the movie for me, that comes to mind afterwards. But anyway, when you go in to watch a movie, Wendy, I'm curious. Like, what do you tend to evaluate a movie on? Uh, entertainment value and how much it can pull me in and keep me in the movie. I don't want to sit in a movie and fall out of it at some point and going, what time is it? Or how long have I been sitting here? Or And you're just and you're thinking about real-life things when you've, you're sitting in a theater. You should be completely submerged in that moment for the duration of however long that movie is. And if a movie can't do that, then it's failed because it's for me, movies are properties of entertainment. Yeah. And if it can't keep me in there and not let me escape back to the real world, then it didn't do its job or, you know, it didn't uh, leave me wanting to talk about it with all of my friends who haven't seen it afterwards. Then it didn't do its job. Um, but I don't feel like I really view movies like as a critic. I definitely am a fan of movies and a fan of entertainment. Um, I think what he's trying to ask, though, because you and Christian, when you guys talk about movies, you're very eloquent. So I think more than that, well, it's, thank it's, it's, you. Ex- I'm a smooth talker. <laughs> um, it's experience, mm. and it's 
opening yourself to viewing different genres of movies, like, you know, not, not just comic book films or sci-fi or fantasy. It's everything, classics, dramas, romance, whatever. Okay, let's move on to the next question. Uh, this one comes from, who asked this? Sean Quigley, uh, whose Twitter handle is Shawnee Booms, and he writes... <laughs> What do you think the news will be tomorrow regarding the said visits by some journalists and San Diego Comic-Con DC expectations? For those of you know what he's talking about, there was a set visit amongst a lot of our peers, got invited by Warner Brothers out to visit the set of Justice League where they're shooting. Now, um, generally speaking, when set visits happen, you don't hear anything about it until about two or three weeks before the movie comes out. So as far as the news goes... Don't expect to hear any news regarding the set visit for Justice League. Mm -hmm. They are under very, very tight and strict embargoes. They cannot talk about what they saw there until about, like I said, a few weeks before the movie comes out. The studios will then, because when we do set visits, about two or three weeks before the movie comes out, the, the studio will then send us an email through one of the publicists and say, hey guys, just so you know, your set reports, set visit reports are clear to go live as of next Monday or whatever. But uh, as far as the news from this goes, don't expect anything. It's going to be... San Diego Comic-Con now has become very interesting because DC was already going to have a big presence there. Mm -hmm. But Marvel, in a not-so-subtle way, has just let everybody know, hey, guess what? Marvel's coming back to San Diego Comic-Con. Uh -oh. They're going to be there this year too. I think that's great because, oh, yeah. honestly, the last time... like Marvel and DC, I love it when they're both at Comic-Con because... You just get information overload. You it's get like so the biggest showdown. It is, and it's amazing. And honestly, I I still remember when DC was there. Marvel had a, this one terrific Comic Con. They had um, they had uh, Robert Downey Jr. come dancing out on stage with with the Iron Man gloves on, and they did a whole bunch of big announcements mm -hmm. and a whole lot of great stuff. But then was the Zack Snyder presentation, the DC oh, yeah. one, where he just come out and announced. We're doing Batman v Superman. And everybody lost it just like that DC won Comic-Con. Yes. Um, but honestly, they all won. Yeah. They all win Comic-Con. And when they're both there, everybody wins. Because all the eyes in the world are going to be on Comic-Con that weekend. That means every bit of news that comes out about anything DC or anything Marvel or anything X-Men related or anything sci-fi related or anything anybody is bringing to Comic-Con, more attention is going to be on it now. I think it's going to be great. As far as what I think DC is going to do at San Diego Comic-Con this year, good Wonder question, Woman. man. Oh, but yeah, definitely. I think they're going to show us something from Wonder Woman. I think the very first um, – oh, who put out their first press? Oh, Eric Davis. Eric Davis. Put a, got his press badge already. Good for Eric. <laughs> um, I think we're going to see the first um, Wonder Woman footage at, at Comic-Con. I think they're even going to show us a little, a little tease of Justice League. Oh, really? Look, remember, Guardians of the Galaxy gave us like a full 45-second trailer mm -hmm. when they had been shooting for seven days. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy had only been shooting for wow. like a week, and then they cut together a little teaser trailer quick to bring to Comic-Con. I didn't know that. Justice League will have been shooting for over a month. I think DC will bring something to show. Because look, whether we like it or not, because I like Batman v Superman. I know I'm one of the only people who did. But like it or not, for somebody like me, generally speaking... Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, got a bad rap. I mean, it, it got negative reviews. A lot of the fans didn't like it. So what I think DC is going to want to do is come out swinging. I think they're going to want to come and they're going to want to change the narrative. 
okay, we're going to get people stop talking about Batman v Superman and we're going to get them talking about Justice League. Mm-hmm. Let's get them talking about Justice League and how good Justice League looks. So I am actually expecting a lot from Warner Brothers oh, yes. at Comic-Con this year. What do you think? I think 100% I agree with you. I am excited to see uh, the Wonder Woman footage. And so I agree I. with you with the Justice League. I think they're going to give us a sneak peek and start building up that excitement for it. And yeah, you're right. Let's, let's stop talking about BVS and whether you liked it or not, whether you think, like, I'm so tired of these conversations. It's like every day people yeah. still talk about it. And I'm like, okay, you like it. Okay, you didn't And like I'm getting it. tired of having to apologize for liking it. So, I mean, <laughs> You should there never you go. apologize for what you like or don't like. Exactly. Just let it be. So bring it on, DC. I'm ready for you. All right. A quick UFC question comes in here from Nate, uh, whose uh, Twitter handle is Nate Van T. And Nate's why what are your thoughts on the Brock Lesnar-Mark Hunt fight coming up? Brock Lesnar's coming back to the UFC. He's going to be fighting at UFC 100. I think this is going to be a great fight. And they put him in against a guy who's a perfect matchup for him in this Samoan warrior <laughs> knockout artist, Mark Hunt. It's going to be a great fight. You guys got to come out. We got to go to... Uh, yeah, we have to go wherever it is that you guys go. Let's just... I have so much fun. You know, I, I, I've always had a slight interest in, in you know, the, the fighting, but no one ever wants to go and see it with me until I met you guys. And you guys right. want to come here? And I was like, oh, it's a thing. We can, we can go somewhere and watch this and eat food? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis and I always go to Hollywood and watch the fights. Um, okay. Let's I'll take one more question. Uh, Kyle Sommer writes, I didn't like finding Dory that much. Oh. Am I dead inside? Look, oh. okay, no, no, let, let me put it this way. I you're really, not dead inside. No, you're not dead inside. I really liked finding Dory. I did. Mm-hmm. But I, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10, which, okay. which for me is a good score. Like some people think 7.5, what's wrong? No, no, no. 7.5 for me is a good score. But it's not like it was a 9 out of 10 for me. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It's, it's a nice, fun, emotional in the right times moments. Not as good as the original but a solid film. But I can see people walking out not liking it. It's yeah. not like it's the greatest piece of cinema ever made. And like Wendy was just saying, never apologize for what you like, but never apologize for what you don't like. Film is art. It hits us in different ways. It'll elicit an emotional reaction from you in different ways than it will from me or from Wendy or anything like that. So no, just because you didn't like <laughs> Finding Dory does not mean you are dead inside. <laughs> How would you how would you answer somebody saying saying that? No, I, I totally agree with you, John. Um, I feel that for this movie, it's, it does target a certain audience. Yeah, and I feel that maybe Dory's memory uh, issue can become redundant for some people. Right. You know, it's just yeah. that one one punch too many. So I think you know some people are watching like, all right, enough already with this memory thing. I get it. She has short term memory loss. And maybe from that, they're just, they just couldn't pull themselves out of that issue and they couldn't let themselves enjoy the rest of the movie, which is totally okay. And I have a friend who hated Toy Story 3. Oh. Uh, I know. Okay, but- that person is dead inside. <laughs> Forget everything I just said. That person is dead inside. <laughs> but we're still friends. It's, you know, if she, like, she doesn't like it, I like it. That's fine. That's just the movie we won't see together. But no, you're not dead inside. You don't have to like, just because the majority says it doesn't be individual. All right, guys, uh, that will do it for us for this installment of the John Campy Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Wendy, thank you so much for being here again. Where can people follow you online? Oh, thanks for having me. I had so much fun. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Wendy Lee Zaney. That's Wendy Lee, S-Z-A-N-Y. 
And uh, you guys, of course, can follow me on Facebook and on Twitter, simply at John Campia. And make sure you subscribe to uh, Comic-Con HQ, where my new show, Film HQ, is there. Me, John Schnapp, a whole bunch of other people. We put on a movie magazine show, if you will. comes out every Saturday. Free to sign up for now until after Comic-Con. And make sure you sign up for Comic-Con HQ because it's going to be free during Comic-Con. It's free right now and it will be free during Comic-Con. And they are going to be streaming all the Hall H panels, constant shows. We're going to be doing some live episodes of Film HQ from there. We've got a stage there we're going to be doing stuff at. You're going to want to make sure you're signed up and it is free for Comic-Con weekend. Go to www.comic-conhq.com. And sign up for free right now. So that'll do it for us, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. My name's John Campia. And until next time, bye-bye.